The views and opinions expressed in this presentation are those of the producer and those appearing in this show and do not necessarily represent the views of Dairy Cam, the town of Dairy, or any of its staff or affiliates. I can't help but feel good. I can't help but feel fine. Everything is in its place and all of it is mine. My name is Tom Donovan, and I want to welcome you to our show, All Things Recovery. Here we discuss all topics regarding mental health, substance abuse, treatment options, and the mental health system itself. We recover all these topics by inviting guests from all facets of recovery, treatment, enforcement, and policy. The door is wide open, and we want to be a resource. We take topic suggestions, and we welcome feedback. This show is always dedicated to my friend and recovery warrior, Craig Barnaby, who dedicated his life to the well-being of others. So today we have my co-host, Gail Nastasia. She is the author of The Fruit You'll Never See, and Gail will be a regular on the show. And our guest today is Josh Colwell. And Josh, I think it's best served that you introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Thank you, Tom. Uh, thanks for having me today. Yeah, appreciate uh, it. Again, my name is Josh Caldwell. I'm a person in long-term recovery. I'm also the business development officer at Sobriety Centers of New Hampshire. Um, what my recovery looks like and why I consider myself a person in long-term recovery is because I haven't drank or used any mind-altering substances for four and a half years. Nice. Um, as for the business development side of things, I, I work for I, um, a a treatment center in the state of New Hampshire. We call Sobriety Centers in New Hampshire, and we're made up of two different programs. Uh, the first program is called the Antrim House, which is a uh, 3.7 level of care detox facility. Nice. Um, and we also do 3.5 uh, residential uh, care as well there. Um, and then we have an outpatient program in Laconia uh, called the Lakes Treatment Center, where we offer PHP, which is partial hospitalization program, IOP, which is an intensive outpatient program, and we also offer MAT or MAR, which is a medicated assistant, uh, assisted treatment or recovery. Um, and my job is to go around uh, to the area and let people know about the program and uh, nice. to allow people uh, like a bridge to be able to, you know, if somebody is looking for help, to, 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 build, to build that bridge for them to be able to do that. Can anybody get into the treatment center? What are the... Yeah, so uh, we, we help people that are, um, you know, in, you know, that struggle with substance use disorder or alcohol use disorder. Um, we also help people that may be struggling with benzos. Um, so we do, we offer a lot of uh, care for that. And uh, we, uh, as on the, uh, like the, the side of the business side of things, I guess you would say, uh, we're in network with most commercial insurances. Uh, we nice. also are in network with most of the New Hampshire Medicaid as well. Nice. Do you um, share with people that come into the program or through the house or through the through the program your own history? So I do. I, I do. Uh, I, I have at the um, at the outpatient program. I, I have come in and told my story. Absolutely. I think it's really important for people that are coming into recovery uh, to know that uh, recovery is possible and no matter what yeah. it looks like, right? So who, whoever it may be, because there are some people that are uh, super professional and uh, they struggle with substance use disorder or alcohol well, and, use and disorder. And shame. 
Right, right. So to, to beat down that stigma and to allow people to see that we can overcome, I think it's super important. So well, yeah, I, I do share. And I think yeah. that's 95% of the battle yeah. because yeah. they think, you know, there are two different levels of people and yeah. they don't know that people in, in, right, yeah. and, and people in positions of power yeah. or right. prestige yeah. also. No, for sure. What's cool is there's three of us here and we've all come out and said we've all been in recovery. So there's three of us that have, you know, have achieved sobriety, but also achieved goals. Yeah. You know? It's almost, what? I thought of a joke. Um, a lawyer, a cop, and a felon walk into a bar. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. That's what we have here. <laughs> but, 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 um, <laughs> you know, you have a real interesting story in, in, in what led you to work in this field. Yeah. yeah I, so, uh, you know, when I was, Growing up, I always grew up feeling less than, right? And I always wanted to be somebody else. And I actually really obsessed about that. Um, and when I got into my 20s, I started hanging out with uh, like a group of people that uh, were on the outside of uh, you know the law, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of fell into that and I, I, uh, I finally found, thought I had found my place, right? Yeah. Like I found other people that were like me, other people that felt like me. And uh, I thought that was my family, right? So uh, I, but that also led me into my addiction. So yeah. like it introduced me, I like to call it my drug of no choice because like at a certain point in my life, it was no longer a choice of me getting high. I right. just would continue to get high. Um, so I, I, I did that. I started selling drugs um, to like uh, help with my personal addiction. And then right. of course the money and the power came with that. And I, I started to even be addicted to that. Um, yeah. And it wasn't until uh, 2018, October of 2018, that I got a knock at the door from the, the DEA. And that's, uh, that's where actually my recovery kind of kicked off. And uh, I don't attribute the arrest to that. Um, I do attribute the, the fact that nobody would answer my calls. And that like, because uh, I, I hear right. people say, let's arrest, let's arrest them. I, I don't think we can arrest ourselves into a recovery. You know, right. what, I, what I feel like is that you need to, like there's a lot of barriers and that's, so what I was told from a judge was, all right, we're gonna release you, but uh, you can't drink a drug anymore. And I was like, all right, that's cool. How's that gonna and happen? And a condition right. of release is that you'd be tested. Right. And then right. of course, you know, I mean. Yeah. So I was like, well, what am I gonna do? Like, how am I, how's this supposed to work? Right. Um, so I was fortunate enough that I knew somebody that worked at a recovery community organization. Um, it was called SOS in uh, yeah. Rochester, New Hampshire. Nice. And uh, I went in there and I was in tears and I was like, I don't know where I'm gonna do. And I'll tell you, one of the most important things that helped me was not one person there told me I had to stop using drugs. They asked me what I wanna do. They said, what do you wanna yeah. do? What, what do you wanna do? I said, I want my life to be better. And they said, well, what's that gonna take, right? And then me seeing that, well, you know, when I put the substances in me, when I drink, these are the things that cause right. these barriers so, in my so life. So this is a bigger question. Yeah. When you, when you think about that and the mm -hmm. fact that you wanted to change, yep. Yep. where do you see that? Because when people come to a recovery program, mm -hmm. chances are they want to get better or they're, right. or they're you know, trying to stay out of jail. Yep. But where do you see that in terms of being a choice and, and really wanting and like how do we get to that? Okay. Because I love yeah, that. so that's a great question. Yeah. So I feel like 
even if you're wanting to stay out of jail, right? That's still a want, right? That's still a, I want my life to be better, because we all can agree that right. life in jail is not good, right? Not fun. So you're already accepting the fact that if I go down this path, I'm my life is not going to be any good. Right. So what I think is, I th I've never known anybody that when they grow up, they're like, I want to shove a needle in my arm for the rest of my life until I die, right? Mm -hmm. What I feel like is that there's a lot of people in pain, and those people in pain are doing things to get, escape that pain. They feel better. Right. right. So what we do at this point is that we need to break down the barriers that help people to get the help they need. Yeah. So whatever that may look like, what it looked like for me was meeting with a recovery coach uh, mm -hmm. once a week and me hitting 12-step meetings. You know, and me being surrounded, but living in a sober house and being surrounded by people that are in recovery, right? And people that were on fire for recovery. So therefore, I was on right. fire for recovery. And then, like, uh, not everybody that gets arrested by the feds are going to have the same story as me, that right? That's true. Right? And I don't want people to think that. They're like, oh, well, if he can do it, everybody can do it. Right. Well, I, Although that is true. So is with true. the barriers broken. Right. So that's where it is, is that we need to re reach these people that are struggling and let them know that there is hope. Right. And then like so when I met with a, my peer specialist or recovery coach, or whatever you want to call it, when I met with him, we, we made a list of goals. And when we made that goal, right, then he helped with navigating the resources to accomplish those goals. So they were your goals, not someone else's. Exactly. That's the difference. And so we would take these goals and then we would break them down to micro goals. Like when I first met with them, right? Yeah. It was find a place to live, find a job, get a car. These were my goals. Now my goals are pay my mortgage, uh, make sure that the house is clean, right? Like right, uh, right. make it to, to work on time. Um, so uh, it's always, changing so right. i just think and then every time i would uh, accomplish a goal we would celebrate that right we'd be like yeah you did it and then so what i'm learning as i'm doing this is i'm capable of doing it and then uh, with that reinforcement around me right that positive reinforcement around me i'm learning that i'm not the person that i thought i was and i'm a person that has the ability to live a Pretty amazing life now. Productive. Yeah. yeah. So I, I want to ask another hard question. Yeah. Oh, I love your question. <laughs> <laughs> Spirituality, and well, it was one of the questions that you, would, yeah. you exactly wanted to ask. So where does that play? Because for me, mm -hmm. in my recovery, I've been sober. I'm coming up on 21 years. Mm -hmm. I had a really tough time with that part, mm -hmm. and I think that a lot of people do because right. people are suffering, and they, you know. And I, I, the issue of God, or I, that's a whole whole other thing. But spirituality, you know, that feeling yeah. of connectedness. Yeah. Where do you stand as far as that's concerned? And today, because today where I stand is much different than when right. I first, right? Yeah. So today, I do have a higher power, right? And I belong to a twelve-step fellowship, and part of my program recovery is to have a power greater than myself. When I first right. got into recovery, and uh, they were telling me. You know, they're like, you need to have a higher power. You need right. to have a higher power that, like, to get through the steps. Uh, my first higher power was my dad, who had passed away, because they told me it was be, had to be a power greater than me. My dad right. could whoop my butt. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So I, I was like, he's he's uh, he's going to be my higher power. Right. Uh, today, uh, it's much different. I, I I attend church on Sundays. I belong to a church. 
um, you know, and uh, my higher power is Jesus Christ. If I'm if I'm being no, that, know, that's again, it's yeah. it's your path, right? And so, like I, so the difference is is that I don't preach that to anybody. I when I when I'm talking with recovery, most times I don't even bring that up to people because I know when I was in early recovery, that would scared me, would have scared me away. But you would say that you're. Your having a higher power was essential. Uh, for me, personally? I mean, not, not necessarily religion, right. but spir spirituality. To, 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 yes. Uh, so, right. so, to be connected, right? right? Because so that's. Me personally, absolutely. I have seen others, though, that uh, have been successful in recovery, and they, they might be more of a cognitive based uh, recovery approach, right? So, that's one thing that I learned uh, while working. Because I ended up working at that RCO that right. I, I got help, uh, and uh, the multiple pathways of recovery, you know, and so I've seen people that was my be next successful. <laughs> yeah, right. no, yeah. but that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, they allowed you to find your recovery within yourself yeah. and what worked for you. Mm -hmm. You know, establishing your goals, your path, your support system, or higher power. Because if someone's going to tell you you've got to do this, mm -hmm. you're not going to. It's gonna not going to work. Sure. Yeah. Right. Well, what's happened, I, I believe today 100% that it's all about connection. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that the reason why we The reason why yes. we use any substance or behave in certain ways is because we won't feel bad because we are disconnected or feel disconnected. Yeah. So whatever that means, you know, yeah. whatever that means in terms of getting connected, I think that's the you know, key. It's, it's funny you say that because, like, I taught... Uh, in New Hampshire, we have what's called a certified recovery support worker, right? Yeah. It's a it's credential. I'm a right. CRSW. And uh, so part of that training, I used to train it, is talking about the multiple pathways. What right. all pathways have in common <clears throat> is connection. Right. It's connection, 100%. Even natural recovery, which they consider, so like not going to treatment, not going to a program, not doing mutual aid or anything, they call it natural recovery. One day somebody wakes up and he said, all right, my life's out of control, I'm gonna stop. You know what they say that helps that? Is connection with your family, connection with your friends, right? right? right. So it's not Building necessarily going to a 12-step meeting or a smart recovery meeting or anything. What it is is still connecting with your family and your friends. So connection is huge. I, I, and, I right. And not necessarily just being around them because we can be in a room full of 100 people and feel like we're by ourselves, right? right. That's the... Right. It's the connection. Exactly, right. right. Trying to find out what are those things yeah, that for sure. are blocking me off from other people yeah. in that feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, those different modalities, that's what you right. were talking about. Exactly. The, and I was thinking about, you know, you, you said at one point, and, and I don't know if you brought this up, the, your affiliation with the drug court. Yeah. What's the difference between, you know, what are the drug courts doing different today, I guess, that's helping people? So, I, I, so jail is never a good option. Like, it's, like, yeah. right. it's the worst option. <laughs> right? So especially for drug offenses, right? So a lot of people that are, uh, you know, have this criminal behavior when they're in uh, the throes of substance use disorder, right? Yeah. And, like, it, it, so how do we fix that? How do we, so what I've seen is that with, within the recovery courts and drug courts within the state um, is that they are truly trying to help 
the substance use disorder. They're trying to help the addiction. They're trying mm -hmm. to they're, they're they're trying to help the individual move past that. So, like uh, when they get sanctioned, the last option is to sanction them into jail, right? right? And, and and when they do sanction them, it's for like three days, maybe a five week, days, right. right? It's not for a long period of time because this <clears throat> this. The statistics show that a long period of time in jail only resets everything. It's like right. time out. Right. Exactly. So, um, so what the drug courts are doing, which I think is incredible, is that they're they're it's a treatment court. So they're trying every way possible to not only um, help the individual uh, that's being served that that's in the, the program. But they're also doing the same thing that they showed me, like when I was going to RCO, that they have these goals and they're they're doing these levels and they're showing that that they can accomplish. So they're building them up as well, which I think is super cool. It's like it's like trying to, and and this is the conundrum, trying yeah. to create readiness. Yeah. You know, trying mm -hmm. to create that position where, what what is where, when am I going to be ready? Right. You know, right. what do I have to experience before? Mm -hmm. Because the person who has nothing, the person who is I know somebody now who's just she bounces from one program to the next, and you know she's just not ready. And I don't know she has nothing, so right. she has nothing to lose. Yeah. She has, and, and in her mind, she has nothing to gain because she doesn't see that uh, that possibility for herself. She sees right. it for others. And it comes to that that people need a bottom. Yeah. You know, do they? And yeah, so I mean, that's it. You know, how do we create that readiness? Right. Like, where is that readiness bottom? Whatever you want. Yeah, to I agree. No, for sure, and it, you know, it, and it took me calling a bunch of people and nobody right. answering. The only person that actually answered the phone was my mom, who I yes. had been horrible to. You know what I mean? Right. Like, had written off, like, uh, wouldn't go to family functions and all that. She's the one that answers the call, you know. And I'm like, and when I was homeless, I was sleeping on her couch. You know, she right. like she gave me a place. This person, this woman that like I put through hell, to be completely honest. Right? right, and here she is. She's like, "Yeah, Josh. Yeah, come on. Like, what can I do to help? You know, you know." And it, so that like humbled me, humbled me, because I thought I was, you know, just the, the biggest and baddest, you know. And really, right. I, I wasn't. You know, like I, I played one on TV. Right, right, right. right. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love but like, to be completely honest, like I, it was, yeah. It took, it took me being humbled, I believe, to for me to, to start accepting. Yeah. The help that I needed. Yeah. What do you feel about this as a question mm -hmm. that I, I think about a lot? What do people, because people have varied opinions about it, what do you guys feel about harm reduction? I'm, I'm a huge supporter of it. Yeah. And I'll tell you why I'm a huge supporter of it. Um, because I heard one time uh, somebody said, a dead addict never gets a chance to recover. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, to me, uh, was huge. Like, first off, there are people that drink every single day, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and they're not as shamed as a person. So it's not, it's ugly to shove a needle in your arm. It's, it's, it's cute to drink out of a It's a, more socially accepted. Right. Yeah. So what I, uh, so uh, when it comes to harm reduction, I support it for the reason that we, you know, it, it, it prevents diseases. 
Um, it, it gives the people an opportunity to talk to these people uh, while they're, you know, uh, giving them supplies, you know, and talking to them about resources, giving mm -hmm. them that hope that hey, because I don't, I don't feel like a lot of people will say it's enabling, but the statistics show differently. Mm -hmm. So I, I support harm reduction in the fact that I believe that um, it, if you can keep somebody alive long enough to talk with them and to show them that there's hope. I've seen people that have come in uh, one day and get uh, you know, sterile syringes and then the next day ask to go to treatment. So uh, once you're, you're doing that, you're reaching a population that you haven't reached before. Mm. Because if they think that you're gonna walk into a place and say you need to stop using drugs, they're not gonna talk to you anymore. Right, so if you tell them, if you don't tell them that, but you're sitting there and you're helping right. them, and you're helping them get rid of abscesses and all that, and just real quick, uh, safe consumption sites, it's also a big like, oh my goodness, why would right. you do that? We've had them for years, they're called bar rooms and taverns. Right, right? right. so that's, just, the bartender will tell you that it's time to go home, they'll call you a cab, they'll make yeah. sure that you're safe, right? So we've had safe consumption sites for, uh, one drug, so why don't we have it for another drug to right. make sure people are safe and have the the, the ability to uh, get them the help that they need eventually. That that's in. So when you talk about harm reduction, I, right. I, I, I I'm a strong supporter in it because I've seen it work. I have yeah. mixed feelings yep. about it. I mean, obviously, I want to keep people alive. Yeah. I want people right. to live. At the same time, right? And I, I have a friend, one of the people that I'd like to have on the show, she works in harm reduction, yeah. and we're really close friends. So, yeah. I mean, I we've had this conversation, but I I know that we talked about connection, and you really can't connect when you're, when you're putting any substance in your body, whether right. it's legal or not, you know, right. whether it's sanctioned or not. So if, if we have this thing, right, if we have this disease and we're essentially keeping a foot in the door, then it's really... But again, you know, it's alive, it's alive. Yeah. So I guess, you know, and then there's the question, are you walk, the walking dead? Because when I was active, and granted, here I am now, but right. I didn't want to be alive. So, right. you know, it comes down to, again, like, is there going to be a point of readiness if somebody's filled up with stuff? So let's, let's talk about uh, moderation for a minute, then, right. right? Like, so I know people that, and I also support moderation. Does right. it work for me? Absolutely not. Right. I'm, an, I'm an abstinence-based, so I should also share that. I'm abstinence-based recovery um, because that's what works for me. That's, that's right. what keeps me alive. That's what keeps me uh, allowed to create these goals and knock them down and to be successful in my everyday life, right? Uh, but I also know people that they'll open a beer, drink a couple sips of it and put it down, right? And so those people, I don't say to them, hey, you need to stop drinking, right? This is, this is gonna ruin your life. And they're like, well, this is about as warm as as warm as can be because I haven't had a sip of it in a couple right. hours. And I also know that like, I used to go, I use this example a lot. I used to go camping with this couple and they, this couple, they would, they would say, I got a bag of cocaine for the weekend. And I'd be like, oh, that's crazy. That was a Tuesday morning for me. <laughs> right, 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 right. Right. And that's right. the only time they would ever, you know, do that. So it's right. like, so what do I, like, what I, I don't think that telling everybody to be abstinent is the answer. 
I think when people are at a point where they, it's all or nothing, then I think abstinence is the answer. Mm -hmm. But also, abstinence is a form of harm reduction. It's just another form of harm. It's just the most extreme form of harm well, reduction. Well, it's not. It's it's taking care of your allergy, right? Because right. if I'm allergic to peanuts, right. I'm not going to eat a peanut. Right, right. Because I know I'm going to have yep. a reaction that's unfavorable yep. to me. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So one more question. Yeah. I always ask this question. Recovery equals what for you, George? Recovery, uh, just a better life. I love like, that. Yeah, so uh, for me personally, uh, recovery means I talk to my family now. Yeah. Uh, it equals uh, that I'm, a, I'm a, a constant in my stepchildren's lives. I'm a constant in my wife's life like yeah. i just got married two weeks ago oh, and, and congratulations again congratulations. That is amazing. and that would never have happened you know while i was in active addiction so like recovery to me equals just a better life and yeah so it's not the best life right because there you have your ups and downs but i can look back at my life like look at my life today even on my bad days right. are better than my best days when i was actively using Right. And so, like, recovery equals better life. Oh, What does that mean to you? I think recovery for me means freedom. Yeah. For me, I have a tattooed on my arm. Do you freedom? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's what I think of when I think of recovery. You know that my, my sobriety day is the 4th of July, right? <laughs> that's awesome. I didn't know that. Speaking of freedom and independence. Wow. <laughs> wow. I didn't even mean that, it. That, so, yeah, yeah the that, truly independent day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. Now, I think we talk about, I think we briefly mentioned it one time about powerlessness. Yeah. You know, when you're using, are you powerless? Yeah. And then when you're... Recovery. We have control. You get your power back. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's really a I great I guess control way. probably isn't the best word, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, I get to decide what I get to do with the day. No, for sure. And what the coolest thing, the last thing I'll say is we all come from different walks of life here. Yeah. You know? We started you with are. that joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but we're all the same. We're yeah. no different than right. anybody no, else. Absolutely. And I think that's important for people yeah. to see that and anybody could get help. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So in closing, I'd like... Uh, like people to, I want to thank Josh. Also, too, um, where could they find help at Sobriety Centers of New Hampshire yes. if they have to? So they can reach out to me. Um, they can email me at jcolwell. Uh, so that's J-C-O-L-W-E-L-L -L at sobrietycentersofnh.com. Um, they can check the website, which is www.sobrietycentersofnh.com. Or they can reach me on my phone, which is 603-312-7788. What if somebody doesn't have insurance? So uh, we can help with the resources to help with that. So if somebody doesn't have insurance, we, we have offered scholarships in the past. Yeah. Absolutely. And I can help navigate. And so even if they want to call me just for, to help navigate recovery, mm -hmm. I can do that as well. I've, they've helped me in the past in yep. a scholarship, yep. someone that I've known. Good. So they, they have been helpful. Yep. Absolutely. So remember, guys, please continue to tune in. We're here to provide resources and, but if you're in a crisis, don't forget to dial 911. If you're in the state of New Hampshire and you want to seek services, call 211. And if you're suicidal, call 988, the Suicide and Crisis Line. Uh, just remember, ask for help, seek support, and please do not do this on your own.
The views and opinions expressed in this presentation are those of the producer and those appearing in this show and do not necessarily represent the views of Dairy Cam, the town of Dairy, or any of its staff or affiliates.